0: Well, good morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads on Thanksgiving weekend. We're excited that you're here. There are a lot of people traveling still today. A lot of people trying to get home today because I think school goes back tomorrow or the next day. So a lot of people en route. We are praying for you guys, but thanking those that are joining us online because I've already seen people from California, Texas, Illinois, I saw some locally joining us online, so lots of people there online, so we welcome them. And we say to you, if you're joining us online, uh, don't just watch us, share this from our Facebook page to your Facebook page so that people will be impacted by what's happening at Crossroads this morning. Again, we're excited to let you know that it looks like, you know, again, we're trying to raise $100,000 to replace 18-year-old 25-ton heating and air units that we actually installed when we renovated this space uh, 2004 to 2006. So uh, those units were actually installed like late in 2006 or middle of 2006. So they're about 17 years, 18 years old. They bought the farm. They've gone on to glory. And uh, we're trying to replace them. So we're, we said, you know what, we're going to raise $100,000. So that means 10 people give 10000 20 people give 5,000, 100 people give 1,000, just give whatever you can uh, to help us. So I can say this, I can't give you specifically, but we have crossed the halfway mark. So again, we're halfway there, yes. So again, we got to get further. So again, uh, thank, pray, talk to your wife, your husband, your grandmother, uh, your landlord, anybody you can, uh, and see what they would have you give if you haven't given, and if you've already given and you can give more, that'd be great, because I want to get it taken care of, and I want to get it finished uh, so, again, that we can just kind of move on to the next thing. So, again, just want to keep you updated on that. Well, you know, I've thought a lot about this week, and you think about Thanksgiving, it kind of gets a bad rap, because once you kind of move into Thanksgiving, people are naturally thinking about what comes next. They're already thinking about the bigger and the better, which, of course, is all of the festivities that happen between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And and I'll tell you this, I don't think this week truly gets the attention that it deserves. And although I may totally run against the culture this morning, I believe that you and I, as a follower of Jesus... We really need to kind of concentrate on this week. We really need to think about this thing called Thanksgiving. I'm going to kind of call it something else this morning. We're going to think about this in the, in the terms of gratitude. Because gratitude, thankfulness, it's not something that just comes naturally to us. I mean, think about it. You're just not naturally grateful. Gratitude is like this, it's like a discipline. It's like something that you've got to kind of work on. It's like something, gratitude is actually something that needs to be cultivated. And the reason it needs to be cultivated is because gratitude is important to us. And not only do we know that as followers of Jesus Christ, but science also tells us that gratitude is something that we need to have. It's something that we need to express. It's something that we need to understand. It's important to us. And the reason I know that is because science has studies that back up the fact that being grateful is important to us. So I want to point out one study this morning, out of all the studies, and the thing that happened in this particular study is that there were these psychologists, and they took a group of people, and they divided them into three different groups within that one large group. And they asked, these psychologists asked all of these people that at the end of the week, every week for 10 weeks, they wanted them to take a moment at the end of the week and they wanted them to write something down. The first group, they asked them at the end of the week to write something that they were grateful for. The second group, the psychologists, asked them to write something down That bothered them and the third group they asked them to write down something that impacted them and here's what happened the people that wrote about gratitude that group of people ended up significantly happier over the course of ten weeks than the people that were in the other two groups they ended up being happier. They ended up being more positive. They ended up having fewer illnesses and fewer doctor visits than the people who were in the other two groups. And the reason that happened is because there's something about gratitude. And the truth is that gratitude is important to us. And if we can just take the time to understand this discipline, if we can take the time to cultivate gratitude, then we need to understand that there are emotional, there are physical and there are even spiritual benefits when it comes to gratitude now, let me let me say this Here, because this is really the truth we're not grateful because we're happy we're happy. Because we're grateful. So we can cultivate gratitude. And when we cultivate gratitude, we need to understand it's not just important to us. But gratitude is something that's important to God. I'm not sure most of you know what the Bible says about this thing called gratitude. But let me, let me give you about three verses that, that again, kind of emphasize this. Look, look at Ephesians 5, verse 20. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. Here's what it says. Always give thanks to God the father for everything in the name of our lord jesus christ first thessalonians 5 verse 18 give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of god in christ jesus for you now here's the thing lots of people ask me say what is god's will for my life i get that question constantly throughout 18 or 19 years of ministry one of the most frequently asked questions is people saying what is god's will for my life and right here it tells you god's will for your life is to give thanks in all circumstances. But why? I believe it's partly dependent on this next verse. Look at the next verse, Psalm 100, verse 4. Here's what it says. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So when we cultivate this thing called gratitude, when we practice this thing called thanksgiving, it actually brings us into the presence of God it's the way we're told to approach God it's the way we're told to approach the throne of God with gratitude with thanksgiving for who God is and what he's done now I love giving you guys definitions because when I give you a definition it kind of sets the baseline for what we're talking about and where we're going to be going. So, this morning, I want to give you a definition for gratitude. And you're going to see it on the screen behind me. When I talk about gratitude, here's what I'm talking about I'm talking about showing appreciation for what God has done. And look at that. We're going to leave that up there in just a moment. Look at that. That's an action showing appreciation for what God has done. It's not a feeling, it's an action. Showing appreciation for what God has done. That's the reason, that is why we practice it. That's why we need to cultivate the discipline of gratitude. So this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at a story from the Gospel of Luke. And I'm going to say this morning that when you think about gratitude or you think about thanksgiving, this is not necessarily one of those stories that you would hear somebody like me speak or teach from. But again, I think God has a lot that he wants to say to you and to me and to those watching online as we look at a story that's actually found in the Gospel of Luke, Luke 17. Here's what it says. It says, As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy, now look at that, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, how many were there? How many men were there? Ten. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he he had done. This man was a Samaritan. That's important. We'll come back to that. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith is. Has healed you. Now, there's a lot we can learn from this story this morning. But the first thing we can learn and marvel at is the power of Jesus. Amen? I mean, we can just learn and and marvel at the power of Jesus. Because Jesus speaks a word, and 10 people are healed of leprosy. We're not talking about the common cold, Lou. We're not talking about the the sniffles. We're not talking about my, my problem with my throat. We're talking about people who had lived their life with sores and lesions on their body. And and when we talk about leprosy, I want you to understand that this morning. When we talk about leprosy, for you and I, it's hard for you and I to put ourselves in that story. You know why? Because we don't know anybody around here who deals with leprosy. But there are other people in other parts of the world who still are impacted by leprosy. It still impacts people all over the world. We don't see that. So we need to remember. The thing that's important about this story is that during that culture and during that time, Jewish law dictated that certain things were clean and certain things were unclean. And people with the disease of leprosy would be considered unclean. And it wasn't just a label for these people with leprosy. But it actually meant if you had leprosy that, that nobody could touch you. Because if someone touched you because you were unclean, then they would be unclean. So when the Bible tells us in what we just read a moment ago that these men stood at a distance... There was a reason for that. People would avoid them. There were places that people with leprosy, they couldn't even go. I mean, think about it this morning. People who had leprosy couldn't even go into the temple, the place of the very presence of God. That's where the the presence of God dwelled. Someone with leprosy couldn't go there because they were considered by Jewish law to be unclean. So the story tells us that these ten men stand at a distance from Jesus. They stand at a distance from Jesus because, listen, they stand at a distance from everyone. And it makes you think how isolating this disease is. Not only are they dealing with the reality of the fact that that they have leprosy, But the only other people that a leper could hang out with were other lepers. That's why the story tells us there are ten men gathered together. So think about it. However long it was that these men had that disease, no handshake, no hug, no kiss, no physical embrace, They were isolated. They were cut off from everyone. And when people would even see them, they would shout out, unclean, unclean, unclean. So when Jesus shows up and he heals them of their diseases, I have to imagine that in that moment when the leprosy is gone, they're singing and dancing and shouting Just like an Alabama fan last night, right? I mean, come on. I mean, it looked hopeless, and all of a sudden, everything changed. But Jesus speaks a word, and instantly, the leprosy is gone. Now, think about that for a moment. If in that moment that was you, would you be grateful? Now, I know everybody here says, and everybody watching online says, you know what, Oh, I would be grateful, but would you? Because if this story is actually true, and I believe it is, if this story is actually true, then I'm going to tell you the answer. You say you would be grateful, I'm going to tell you, you might be grateful. Because in the story, Jesus heals 10 men of their leprosy. But only one of them returns to actually thank him for what he had done. And scripture emphasizes it. I, I told you we were going to come back to it. That the one who came back to thank Jesus for what he had done was actually the one who would have been most likely not to thank Jesus for what he'd done. The Samaritan. The foreigner. So you know what it makes me ask the question? When God does something in my life, do I return and give him the glory that he deserves? It actually makes me wonder about our gratitude. Because you understand, listen to what I'm saying here. When you think about gratitude, you start to realize in the fast-paced, busy life that you and I live, there are actually some things that get in the way of being grateful. So here's the question I want to address this morning. Look, Look at the screen behind me. What is it that gets in the way in your life and my life? What is it that gets in the way of our gratitude? If gratitude is important to us, and we know it is because the Bible says it is, and science says that it is, but if gratitude is important to us and if gratitude is important to God, then it totally makes sense that there are going to be some enemies of gratitude. It just makes total sense, listen to me this morning, that the very devil himself, Satan, is going to do everything he can to keep you from giving God the glory that he deserves. So what are those things? that keep you from giving gratitude. Let me, let me show you the first one. The very first thing I think that keeps us from giving glory to God and expressing gratitude is distraction. Could it be that many of us in this auditorium, those listening online and watching online, get distracted from giving God the glory that he is due? You say distraction, well, what do you mean? Let me let me show you what distraction actually means. Distraction means I can't see what I have. Sometimes there are things in our lives that make it difficult for us to see and show gratitude for all of the things that God has done for us. How many people got healed a while ago? Ten. ten, ten. These 10 guys get healed, and it starts to make you wonder how many of these 10 men got distracted by their own life. You say, what are you talking about? Let me me show you what I'm talking about. 10 men got healed. Only one came back. Could it be that they were so distracted by the pull of their life that they went right back to their old life? And they were so quick to return back to their old life, so quick to go back to life as they knew it before leprosy, that they forgot to praise God for what He had just done in their life. Distracted. And so here's the thing I don't know about you, but in this story, I see a lot of me. Because I can get distracted by my calendar. By me, by my stuff. So much so that I forget to fall on my knees like this man did, the Samaritan. I get so distracted that I forget to thank God for what he's done. So maybe this morning, if you look at your life right now and you see that you don't practice the spiritual discipline of gratitude, then perhaps it's distraction. Distraction is getting in the way. But can I just tell you this morning, distraction is not the only enemy of gratitude. Here's the second enemy of gratitude. Let me me show it to you. It's called discontentment. Let me take it a step further and let you see what I mean when I say discontentment. Discontentment means I'm not satisfied with what I have. Take a minute and think about that. Think about how difficult it would be, it it is, to focus on what you do not have, but to be grateful for what you do have at the same time. Think how difficult that is. To think about what you don't have, but to be grateful for what you do have. Think about how difficult it would be to to think that you don't have enough, And simultaneously be grateful to to God for what He's given you. That's difficult. You know why it's difficult? Because those two things cannot exist in the same space. Come on now. Those two things cannot exist in the same space. It is impossible for complaining and gratitude to occupy the same space. But many of us, we walk and you know what your language is? Like mine is sometimes your language is complaining. You're constantly complaining. You're complaining about your life. You're complaining about your husband. You're complaining about your wife. You're complaining about what you don't have. You're complaining about your kids. You're complaining about all the things in life. And When we complain.... It is impossible for gratitude to occupy that same space. But here's what I know: when you change your language, you change your perspective. So you may not feel content with what you have, you may not feel content with your life, you may not feel content with your relationships. But if you will begin to speak as if you are, when you change your language, it changes your perspective. And can I just tell you what the truth is? Listen, Crossroads, listen to me this morning. We have so much to be grateful for. I'm going to say that again, and I want to hear a response. We have so much to be grateful for. That's just the way it is. And when Jesus heals these 10 men, I just have to wonder how many of those men actually said something, well, you know, you could have done this sooner. I just have to wonder how many of them said, well, why did you wait so long? Why did I even have to have leprosy in the first place? I wonder how many of them failed to give Jesus the gratitude that he was due because they were discontent when it comes to how God was working in their lives. Their discontent was with the timeline that God was operating on. And we did the same thing, if we're honest. So if we're constantly occupied with discontentment, Then it's an enemy of gratitude. And we fail to fall at the feet of Jesus and recognize what he has done in our lives. Scripture constantly encourages us to be content in all situations, to be content in all circumstances. I mean, it makes me think of Paul. Think think about Paul, the Apostle Paul. He had been beaten, shipwrecked, imprisoned, all the things. But Paul says, even though he had been imprisoned, shipwrecked, uh, all the things, beaten, all the things, he says, you know what? I have found the secret. It's to be content, it's to be happy in all situations and circumstances. So when I look at the life of somebody like Paul, you know what I realize? I have nothing to complain about. I need to learn how to be content because, again, it is an enemy of gratitude. It's just one of the enemies of gratitude. Here's another one, and this is the biggest one I think I could probably talk about today because of social media, right? You are constantly comparing yourself with other people. And comparison is an enemy of gratitude. You're looking at Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and X, formerly known as Twitter. And you're comparing your life to their life. And you're comparing your average life to their highlight reel. And I'm telling you, it's killing you. Comparison. And maybe you don't struggle with the first two things. Maybe you don't struggle with discontentment. Maybe you don't struggle with distraction. But here's what I mean when I say comparison. Look at what I'm talking about. Comparison is this. I want what they have. Put it up there, Alex. Comparison. I want what they have. Comparison takes discontentment a step further. Because it's not just being discontent with what I have, it's me looking around at what everybody else says, and you know what, what everybody else has, and I say to myself, I'd rather have what they have than what I have. That's what comparison is. Looking around and not being grateful for what you do have, but wishing you had what everybody else had. That's comparison. And you know what people say about comparison? Comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thing that will steal the life from you that God intends for you to live. And I think it's one of the primary enemies of gratitude. Meaning that I am so focused on what other people have that I can't be grateful for what I have. I want their wife. Their husband, their job, their car. I want their stuff. I want their relationships. I want their life. I want to be like them. Comparison kills gratitude. And see, here's the thing I look at this story, and I don't know how long these 10 men had to stand at a distance. Because the Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible doesn't tell us how long these men had leprosy. I don't know how long they had to stand back and hope and pray for a normal life. I don't know how long they were wondering and waiting and comparing themselves. Just wondering what it would be like to be that guy over there. I mean, just imagine you're one of these 10 guys and you're, you're, you're on a hill and you're looking into the city every day. You're looking across the street and you're just wondering what it would be like to be one of them. Because maybe, just maybe, if we can learn to be grateful for what we already have, then maybe we'll be ready for what comes next. Maybe when we focus on that which is right in front of us, then maybe Jesus will show up, and in that moment, he will do the thing that we have been longing for him to do. Makes me think of a scripture from Hebrews. Where it talks about fixing my eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of my faith. And although that verse doesn't speak specifically to this, I think that when I look to my left and I look to my right, do you know where I'm not looking? I'm not looking at Jesus. When I'm comparing my life to other people, that means that I'm not focusing on Jesus. And this is where the the opportunity is. I think there's an opportunity for you and I to fix our eyes on Jesus. And to stop comparing ourselves to everyone around us. Maybe you don't have enough. Maybe you feel like somebody else got more than you did. Maybe you're longing for somebody else's experiences. Maybe, may, may, maybe, maybe you, 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 just, you, you just want what they have. But let me remind you this morning. That no matter what you have walked through and no matter where you have been, God has been good to you. And he's been faithful to you. And he has never left your side. And can I just say something else this morning? Thanks be to God that he knows better than we do. His timing is always better than our timing. So that simply means that we don't waste our life wishing that we had what somebody else did. Don't waste your life wondering what Jesus could have done had he showed up earlier and done something different. Make a choice this morning to be grateful for the things that God has done in your life. Because if you do, if you make the choice to be thankful, let me tell you, it changes your perspective so quickly. Which makes me wonder how different our life would be in 10 weeks like the study was 10 weeks if we decided to focus on everything that we had and just be grateful for it. How much different would our life be if over the next 10 weeks we just focused on what we had and expressed our gratitude for it? These are the enemies of gratitude. Gratitude. Distraction, discontentment, comparison. Here's the next one. Entitlement. What do I mean when I say entitlement? Let me show you. I deserve it. I deserve what I have. Now, let me just say this. That might not be the way that you say it. But if we take the times to search our heart, that's the way we feel. I deserve it. I deserve it. I deserve all of it. We feel like we're owed something by God. We feel like we deserve it. We've earned what we have. We feel entitled to what we have done. Maybe that's the reason some of you are not showing appreciation to God, because you feel like, you know what? I deserve all the things that I have. And you think about these 10 men. When Jesus makes the choice to choose these 10 men, it could be that some of those 10 men were thinking, well, you know, I've been sick long enough. It's about time. God, you owe me this. I mean, why do I need to be grateful? I deserve to be healed. I deserve the miracle." Because being healed, that's the life that I should have gotten in the first place. And I think there are times in our life that we forget to be grateful. And the reason we forget to be grateful is because we feel like God owes it to us. Like God owes us something. He owes us a good family. He owes us a good car. He owes us a college degree. He owes me a husband. He owes me a wife. On and on and on and on. We just think he owes us. And this morning, I just need to remind you that your heavenly father is a good God who loves to give good gifts to his children. But I need to be clear so that you understand me. It's not because you deserve it. It's because he loves you. You can't earn it. It's not an achievement. And yet, with all your sinfulness and my sinfulness, he still continues to pour out blessing and favor into our lives. Why? It's not because of us. It's all because of him. Because he's a good father. Who longs to give good gifts to his children because he loves us. So gratitude says, I'll never be worthy of all that God has done in my life. Come on now. I'll never be worthy of all that God has done in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for every good thing in my life because I recognize it's all from you. That's what gratitude says. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about you, God. Now, when we spent most of our time talking about the nine, the nine that failed to return to Jesus in gratitude for what he did. But there's one guy, one guy that goes back and starts praising Jesus for what he did. He starts praising God. Only one guy who thanks him for the miracle. Only one guy that falls at Jesus' feet and worships him. Only one of the ten returns and shows appreciation for what God has done. Only one. Only one is grateful. Maybe the other guys were distracted. Maybe they were discontent. Maybe they were comparing themselves. Maybe they felt entitled. I don't know. But the reality is this nine of the ten were ungrateful. And in those ten, there was one person that got it right. Here's what I need you to see. Look at the screen behind me. It's gratitude. Gratitude is the very thing that gets you closer to God. Nine men who were healed of their leprosy all went different directions. But the man who was grateful, think about it, think about this, think about this. The man who was grateful came to the feet of Jesus. Why? It's because gratitude gets you closer to God. And if we can practice it, gratitude, if we can cultivate it, if we can just discipline ourselves to be thankful and grateful, gratitude is the thing that gets you closer to God. Enter His courts with thanksgiving and praise. Think about it this morning. Ten of these guys all got the healing. All ten of those guys were cleansed of their leprosy. But only one of them got Jesus. Oh, yeah. All ten of these men got the healing, but only one of those men got the healer. All ten of them got the miracle, but only one of them got the relationship. Because he returned in gratitude To the feet of Jesus. And in doing so, what did he get? He got closer to God. The nine, they settled. God had more for them. But the man who returned to the feet of Jesus, he got the real gift. Because he's the one that got Jesus. And see, God wants to do things in our lives. But beyond the healing, beyond the miracle, God's gift to you and to me is Himself. The gift is that you can actually be in His presence, that you can come close. To God Himself. And if you don't believe me, just look at the story. I mean, let's remind ourselves of what these men experienced in their lives. Remember, with leprosy, they had to stand at a distance. They had to stand at a distance even from Jesus. But now Jesus has made a way for them to boldly come into His presence. When they were far from God, Jesus invited them to come close. Because this is not just a story about leprosy. But this is a story about what God wants to do in your life and in my life. Remember, the gift is not the miracle. The gift is not the healing. The gift is the relationship because, oh, by the way, they actually believed that leprosy was the result of sin. They believe that the outward manifestation of sin was leprosy. And Jesus heals them of the very thing that caused them to stand at a distance. And then he invites them to come in close. So while you and I, Crossroads, may not have lesions and sores on our skin today, here's the reality. We used to have to stand at a distance from God. We used to be separated from Him and from everyone else. But in Jesus, God invites us to come close. In Jesus, God has made a way for you and I to be in His presence. Because Jesus, who came to this earth, he set aside all the privileges of heaven. And he came to this earth. Why? He came to this earth to give his life for you on a cross. And when he did that, he died the death that he did not deserve. But in that moment, you and I received our healing. You and I have the opportunity To deal with the sin problem in our lives that keeps us at a distance from God. And here's the thing. When you come into a relationship with Jesus, that means now you can come close to God. You've been invited in. You don't have to stand at a distance. But Jesus made a way for you to be in a right relationship with God. See the story about the ten lepers? It's really a story about you and me. It's a story about the greater work that God wants to do in your life and in my life. It's telling us that you can have a relationship with the God of the universe. You can have a relationship with Jesus. You can fall at His feet and worship Jesus. It's not just that He wants to solve your physical problems or your emotional problems. Yes, He can do all of that. But Jesus wants to solve the biggest problem, and that is because of our sin, we are separated from God. But in Jesus, we can come close. See, the story is so amazing and so beautiful. But one of the things this story does is it causes us to ask questions. And one of those questions is this. Do I give God the gratitude that he is due? Believer or not, this is one of the questions that we need to ask ourselves, especially this week. Do I thank God for all of the good things that he has done in my life? Are we constantly thanking God for who he is and what he has done? Because if I can figure that out, if I can cultivate this thing called thankfulness and gratitude, then my gratitude is what's going to get me closer to God. So today I have just a couple of questions. Do you still stand at a distance from God and everybody else because you have a sin problem? Have you ever stepped into the relationship with God through the sacrifice of His Son Jesus? Because listen to me, that's the work that he wants to do in your life today. Today you can experience what Jesus came and died for. You say, how? It's by coming close to Jesus. Because his sacrifice on the cross was enough for you. It was enough for me. The sacrifice on the cross was enough for us to be in right relationship with God. Because today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. If you're here this morning and you're already a follower of Jesus, are you giving God the gratitude that he's due? Let I me mean, just ask yourself that question. Are you truly giving God the gratitude that he is due? It made me think this week, what, what if we just decided that no matter what comes our way, no matter what we experience, We're going to give God the glory and the gratitude that he deserves. Because here's the thing. I believe that if we did that, it would change everything. The attitude of gratitude. Put you by your head this morning and pray with me, please. God, we thank you this morning for your word, which rightly divides cutting deep which exposes what it needs to in our lives spiritually, physically, mentally today it exposes the power of gratitude and thankfulness it helps us understand that if we practice this thing called gratitude it draws us closer to you This is the season of thankfulness for us in this country. Thankfulness and thanksgiving and gratitude. This is the time we focus. We, we kind of want to skip over it, but, but it causes us today to think about gratitude and where is that at in our life? It causes us to stop and say, thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done. Today can be the, today can be the day of salvation for you, maybe if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. How do you do that? You just draw close to Jesus. Fall at his feet. Admitting your need for him. The price that was paid on the cross that he did not deserve to pay. But he did it so that you could have a relationship and be close to God. Maybe today right where you are in this where you are in this auditorium or watching online or listening online, you just say a simple prayer. It's about the heart. It's not about the words, but just recognize Jesus for who he is, the author, the perfecter of your faith. Just say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Forgive me. God, let this be a time when all of us focus on gratitude. Being the people that you have called us to be. As we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: You rescue me stand together Take
0: see if it doesn't